2: This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As We welcome you along
4: to Tuesday's edition of the programme and we have to start yet again by remembering a veteran broadcaster who has passed away in the last few hours, Larry Gogan. Uh, may he rest in peace. RTE announcing his death at the age of 81. He worked in broadcasting for almost six decades. It really is incredible. And on the day that Marion Finucane is buried and we were talking about Marion Finucane last week and the fact that she was 46 years years in the job and here's somebody for almost six decades uh, as a very very popular DJ he started his work on RT or he worked on RT 2FM but of course he started out what, what would have been a Radio radio airing at the time uh, he was born in Fairview in Dublin in 1938 he was fascinated by radio from an early age and all he ever wanted to do was to work in radio so he would have started out On what were some of the our older listeners may remember sponsored programs, and they were on uh, Radio Air. But it was presenting music programs was what he most loved doing. So obviously, when Two FM opened up in nineteen seventy nine, it was the natural fit for Larry Gogan, and he stayed there and remained one of the station's favourite DJs for the next forty years. He'll be best remembered for playing the classic hits on the Golden Hour and of course hosting the Just A Minute quiz which the Just A Minute quiz I think became more famous for the wrong answers than it did for the right answers and actually we have a piece from the from Larry Gogan talking about the Just A Minute quiz and he was talking to this was on the Late Late I don't know what year this was on but this was a number of years ago on the uh, Late Late I'm just looking for it here in uh, front of me where has it gone on 25 one sec no it's disappeared to I me. Mean, okay oh there it is sorry Um. yeah this was Larry Gogan on the Just A Minute uh, talking about the Just A Minute quiz and he was talking to uh, Gay Byrne
5: Where's the Taj Mahal you know up to the dental hospital <laughs> <laughs> which, which, <laughs> which, which, which it which it is. yes and, uh, <laughs> on a technical uh, they <laughs> right. yes. Yes. yes where's the great wall you know yeah. China no, it's yeah. the right answer but the, yeah. where's the great wall Crumlin which is a, <laughs> is a <laughs> Uh, a Chinese restaurant (laughs) called called The the Great Wall Wall. and and only last week has somebody uh, complete this (laughs) duo um, uh, Curly Wee and Dudley Moore (laughs) Hot Town is associated with Shakespeare Hamlet (laughs) <laughs> and they were like the, the black hole of Dakota I don't know where they're going <laughs> <laughs> it's the song it's the association of kinds of, yeah, um, people get just songs they songs they do get confused. And, and recently there was one about who uses <laughs> grease paint and the fellow says um, a jockey and I immediately was going to say no no it's an actor and one of the sound fellows who know those things you know, says but there's a horse called grease paint You know, so he was quite right you know? <laughs>
6: very your the every time the golden hour.
4: Uh, sad isn't it to hear two great legends there to hear Gay Byrne chatting many years ago to Larry Gogan about the success of the Just a Minute quiz as to say it was more famous for the wrong answers than it was for the correct ones and uh, I also heard somebody else in a montage earlier where they were talking about when Larry Gogan, it was meant to be it was meant to have happened where Larry Gogan was, he asked somebody as happy as and obviously the answer is Larry but the uh, person instead said as happy as a pig in manure. Larry Goggin said that never happened. That was invented by Brendan Grace. It never actually uh, happened. He was on on 2FM. He was the first DJ to ever play the Boontown Rats he remained a strong supporter of Irish music over the years and of course won many awards from the music and the broadcasting industry and for people of a certain generation the top 20 or the top 40 I don't know if it was the top 20 or the top 40 with well, Larry Gogan would have presented that every single week without a fail The
6: National Church Show oh,
5: top 15 singles. Still at 15. Get a superstar. Braz Michelle. Still at 14. To the moon and back. Savage Garden. Down 2 to 13. Goddess of DJ. Faithless. Up 4 to 12. The Boy's Mind. Bradley and Monica. Down 3 to 11. Everything's gonna be alright. Sweetbox. Down 1 to 10. Booty Call. All Saints. Up 1 to 9. One Cassara Steps. Down 4 to 8. Come with me. Pop Daddy. Up 13 to 7. I don't wanna miss a thing. Aerosmith. Still at 6. Music sounds better with you. Scotters. Down 2 to 5. If you tolerate this, your children will get x Medic Features. Up 3 to 4. Everybody get up 5. Up 2 to 3. Life read Down 1 to two, no matter what boys own and up one place to number one The Nation's Number One Robbie Williams
4: The Nation's Number One and it's we were talking about this in the office when we were going through some of those clips uh, earlier it's the sound that was how Our radio sounded. That's the way it came out of the speakers. We didn't have all the wonderful digital sound that we have today. So even just listening to that, it certainly brings you back to a different generation. And maybe perhaps when you were growing up or as a teenager, when we lived for the top 20 to see what was going to be number one, what was up and what was down. And he actually, Larry Cogan, only left 2FM this month last year so in January of last year and on that particular day they renamed it Larry Gogan FM for the day in recognition of his tremendous contribution uh, to broadcasting but of course he was going nowhere he just moved along to the digital station RTE Gold where he was presenting programmes up to uh, recently so he certainly will be uh, missed he had been ill in recent years and he was quite frail by all accounts but the voice was still there Certainly, the voice was there, and he was predeceased by his wonderful wife, Flory. Uh, and himself and Flory, they were only 15 when they met. They were childhood sweethearts, and I know he was absolutely bereft when he lost his uh, wonderful wife, Flory, So we think of Larry Gogan today and pass on our tremendous sympathies to his five children and to his grandchildren. May he rest in uh, peace. And a Douglas listener says, Patricia, Gayburn, Marion Finucane and Larry Gogan, they must be opening a new station in heaven. That comes in from a Douglas uh, listener. And Tim says, Patricia, at the beginning of the year, people normally recall the names of those who have died during the preceding 12 months. But this time we're still in the festive season before the working year has begun and uh, we've already lost two household names. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so sad indeed. On the day, of course, that we're burying Marion Finucane. 1850 333 and the festive season is now finally over for this year and I know many of us strung it out to the last minute making sure we would celebrate Nulag Naman yesterday and leaving up the Christmas trees and Mary is sending a text saying Patricia I'm very proud of myself I put up my Christmas tree on the 7th of December 2019 and I've taken it down today the 7th of January 2020 I really miss the decorations and now I'm already looking forward to next Christmas please God says Mary that's the way I feel I've mined have to be taken down today and yeah a job i absolutely dread and the house does look extremely bare when you take them down. So well done for sticking with the tradition. I know a lot of people use the weekend, and that's very understandable if you work Monday to Friday uh, to use the weekend to take down the decorations and get the house back to normal. All this week here on C103, we have teamed up with the Park Avon Hotel. Now, the Park Avon Hotel is on the Muckross Road in Killarney. It's formerly the Holiday Inn, it's within walking distance of the town centre, lively bars and attractions, and it's the perfect base in which to see and explore Killarney and the good people. Park Aven Hotel have given us wonderful prizes to give away every day this week. We have two nights B&B today in a classic double room for two people with complimentary leisure facility it includes a heated indoor swimming pool sauna, steam room and fitness room. Later on I will play you a clip of a well-known Kerry person. You need to identify the carry person in text and WhatsApp as the answer and then we will randomly select a winner to walk away with that prize of two nights B&B in the Park Avon Hotel and if you want to find out more about the Park Avon Hotel you can check it out on their website parkavonhotel.com Now coming up on the programme this morning, in a couple of minutes we're going to be discussing an announcement that broke at the weekend and that was the announcement by Deputy Jonathan O'Brien from Sinn Féin. He is decided he is not putting his name forward for the next general election. Some would say the upcoming general election. We know we are going to have a general, le- general election. Could it be within weeks, but certainly within the next few months there's going to be a general election. So Jonathan O'Brien has said no. Had enough of it now. I'm not going to put my name forward. So we're going to discuss the reasons behind and why Jonathan O'Brien has decided to step out from political life. And he's, he's not the only one to do it. And actually that particular constituency in Cork is going to see a lot of new faces because there there will be we now know Jonathan O'Brien is not going forward. Darren Murphy is in the same constituency and Billy Kenner was in the same constituency. So three of the four who got elected last time out, Mick Barry, isn't it, is the only one who will definitely be putting their name forward for the next election. So certainly changes of foot in that particular constituency. We have a listener who has contacted us wants to highlight dumping that's going on in a residential area of Mallow. We're going to highlight it in the hope that we might might be able to somehow shame the person or people responsible for dumping and it's it's a residential area there's quite a settled residential area so there's a lot of elderly people and it's very very difficult and it's very off-putting for people to be living anywhere near where someone decides to start dumping rubbish and of course the fear is if rubbish gets dumped, the fear I certainly would have would be will it attract rats and you would just live in fear of getting rats into your neighbourhood The We've we put Christmas to bed with Nolik Naman uh, yesterday but we've decided we'd have one last mention of Christmas for 2019 uh, because we're going to speak with the Max Sweeney family from Druma League. They are one of the amazing families who go to such great effort and expense, I have to say, to light up their homes and their gardens. And they do it to raise money for local charities. And the Maxweenies do it for a number of local charities, but in particular they raise money for the Hospice in Bantry. So it gives us an opportunity to talk about the great work of the Hospice in Bantry as well. So we'll speak with Nori Maxweeney on the programme today. It is the start of a new year and a time when we think about changing our lifestyles a little bit and maybe taking up a new hobby. So, with that in mind we are giving a suggestion for what might be a new hobby for 2020 and it's scuba diving. Have you ever considered scuba diving? How do you learn scuba diving? Is it an expensive sport? How popular is scuba diving in Cork? We'll speak with a local club on the programme today. And we're also as promised going to pick up on the story that we got a lot of reaction to yesterday and a lot of people were very angry and upset about the vandalism that occurred at St Catharines Cemetery in Kilcolly, and we said we'd pick up on it today because we heard that there is going to be a public meeting on Saturday afternoon in the Commons Inn so we want to find out a little bit more about that uh, but we're also going to speak with a local councillor from the area just as to what can the council do because obviously it is a cemetery that's under the it's uh, under the auspices of the council now I'm reading in the papers today from Own English that there is around the clock security presence has now been introduced at the cemetery on the north side of the city which is just shocking. Security guards will patrol St Catherine's graveyard 24 hours a day for the foreseeable future as the guards continue their investigations into the desecration of several graves at what is an historic cemetery and it happened overnight last Thursday. It's just... It's so upsetting and I think, you know, when I was listening yesterday to poor old Paddy O'Brien talk to me on the programme and, um, you know, Paddy would be a regular on this programme. We would speak to him about when, you know, when he's doing the over 60s competition and of course he's a great advocate for older People is Paddy O'Brien. He's he's just a fantastic man, and he's great the way he talks about older people and loneliness, and how you know families need to be, need to do more for their elderly relatives and and friends. And you know he's always to the forefront at anything to do with trying to protect elderly people and make their lives a happier one. And to hear Paddy O'Brien yesterday talk about the graveyard where his beloved wife Pat is buried. And you could hear the upset in his voice. And even though, you know, he buried his wife many years ago, it just brought, he said, he brought the grief all back to him again. And, you know, the way he spoke about meeting a man in his 80s who was in floods of tears because that man had been almost back in the day where he was burying his wife. And, you know, we lay our loved ones to rest in what we think is going to be a peaceful place and a place where we can go and feel like we're with them and talk to them and remember them and, you know, tell them bits of news. And it should be a place of peace. It it will always be a place of great sadness, but it also should be a place of peace. And we should be able to walk away from graveyards feeling that we've left our loved ones in a lovely surrounding and that everything's going to be okay until we next come back to visit the grave. Nobody should live in fear of walking into a graveyard and afraid that they're going to go and see that their loved one's headstone has been desecrated or vandalised in, in any way. It is shameful. I really do hope that the guard the track down whoever was responsible for this uh, desecration and of course, as we mentioned yesterday, if anyone has any information as to who was responsible to please get on to the Gardaí. John Paul, taking your calls at 1850-333-103. We'd love to hear from you this morning. Now, at the weekend, Cork North Central Sinn Féin TD, Jonathan O'Brien announced that he will not contest the next general election. While he has declined our invitation to be interviewed here on the programme, he did speak with our senior news reporter, Fiona Corkum, uh, who joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Fiona. Good morning Patricia. And Happy New Year to you. First opportunity. Now did Jonathan O'Brien's announcement come as a shock or had it been rumoured?
7: It had been rumoured and indeed it's been something that he's been considering for quite some time. He said yesterday that he had made up his mind in September that he was going to not contest the general election and he told uh, Sinn Féin party leader Mary Lou Macdonald of his decision. Now at that time she asked him to reconsider and um, he said he would take some time and he wanted to wait until after the by-election that we had, just at the end of November and um, he said then that after the by-election in which Sinn Féin party colleague Thomas Gould did really well he came second in that by-election in Cork North Central. Um, So I think he felt then that he could leave, um, he could announce his decision and, and, and leave it in capable hands with uh, with uh, Thomas Gould. And um, he uh, waited then until uh, Sunday night then to make his decision. So a lot of people uh, knew that he was kind of considering it. He's been in politics for a long time. And um, I don't think it came as a shock to a lot of people. Maybe and a it also, it,
4: it, it shows great allegiance to the party, the fact that he waited to mm, see how I the don't. by-election went. Because obviously when somebody makes a decision like that and the wider public aren't aware of it, you know, people start, start speculating about rumours. Mm-hmm. Oh, is, there, is, is he obsessed with Sinn Féin? Is, you know, is there something gone yeah. wrong within the Sinn Féin party? But he's denying that there was a, he's got any animosity towards Sinn Féin.
7: That's right, and he said that he even though he's stepping away from frontline politics, he's still going to be a party activist and he'll still be very much involved with the Sinn Fein party and he'll be campaigning for local issues in cork north central and He said that um you know he he has every faith that uh, Thomas Gould, who is a Cork city councillor and has been for quite some time that he will run in the next general election, and he's confident that he will take a seat and he said that you know he's confident that Thomas will approach the job with in a new enthusiasm and a vigour that's badly needed in that constituency, because as you know, Patricia, um, it's been a constituency that's been rocked by um, a lot of announcements in the last while. Uh Fine Gael TD, Dara Murphy, announced that he was stepping down and going to Europe, which left which leaves the seat there empty at the minute. Um, we had Billy Kelleher, who was elected to Europe during last year, and we had the by-election to fill that seat, so there is a new face there with Patrick O'Sullivan, and um, we have uh, Jonathan O'Brien, who now will be contesting the general election. So um, there's been a lot of um, been a lot of of and froing going on in, in Cork North Central.
4: So Mick, Mick so. Barry makes up the fourth, doesn't he, in that constituency? Mick Barry, yeah. So he will be the only one of the four who were elected at the last election to be yeah, putting their name for it. Yeah, yeah well well yeah. okay let's go back to Johnson O'Brien I just want to play some of uh, what he said to you yesterday this was on his decision not to contest the election it's
8: something I've been considering for a number of months I spoke to Mary Lou last September uh, told her my intentions she asked me to reconsider uh, over the autumn we had a by-election coming up so I said I would uh, give it some thought but um, my mind hasn't really changed. I've been doing this job for 20 years. Um and anyone who's in a job 20 years, you know, eventually they start looking at you know new jobs, different career paths. Um and I just felt the time was right for me while I'm still young enough to to maybe change careers, to do something different. Um so I took the decision And I felt comfortable taking it on the back of the by-election result as well. I knew the party was in a good position to retain the seat. We have an excellent candidate in Thomas Gould. Um, And that was really the driving reason behind it. Obviously, there are other factors. You know, my mother passed away late last year, and that had a bit of a personal impact on me. Um, And... um, Just a bit of frustration, a bit of burnout. Uh, 20 years is a long time in politics, regardless of what anyone says about politicians. It is a long time. Um, I think I'm the third longest serving elected rep in the city. Uh, And I'm still young, so I just wanted a new challenge.
4: Yeah, of course, Fiona, we forget that uh, before he was a TD, he was a city councillor.
7: That's right, he was a city councillor for 11 years and then he went to the Dal, and he's been there for nine years, so in total he's been there for 20 years. Yeah, it's, it's a long time. As well. It is a long time and he's seen a lot of changes in that time and he said in recent years it's become very frustrating, especially if you're in the opposition because people are coming to his office on a daily basis who are in major distress with, you know, lack of housing, mental health services, not available to people, uh, lengthy waiting lists, and he said that, you know, You're there trying
6: to
8: um,
7: comfort people and offer them a solution when you know that there isn't anything there. or And, you know, you're referring them into a system that's essentially broken. You know, he said that people are coming to him with serious mental health issues. And all he can do is refer them to various different services. And some of those services have 14 months waiting lists, which are too long. Um, so he said that it has become very frustrating and, and disheartening, but he said that that wasn't the main reason. Um, I think it was more of a personal situation for I him. I thought he
4: when stopped. he mentioned his mother having passed away, yeah. when I heard that, I mean, uh, Minister Jim Daly is also stepping down and he's citing family reasons. Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, they do give up a lot.
7: They do, and you know, often. Like you know, I was chatting to him, and he said, "You know he's been up in Dublin for that nine years. He has a family here in Cork, so he's missed a lot of time with them and um, he's still young he he has an interest in law, so he has started a law degree in u c c and he said that you know up in the doll, he would have been involved in a lot of legislation and making legislation, so he wanted to kind of study it from the other side and he was no idea if you know, studying law is going to lead to a uh, a career in something, but he yeah. said it." It's something that he took a big interest in. It's something that he really wanted to do. And um, he couldn't really do everything. And, you know, he's still, he's 47. So he's still quite young and, you know, he still has another 20 years before he retires. So yeah. he, he just felt now is the time to... And I know and
4: when, when he spoke about the frustration of the job, uh, you, he also uh, spoke about the north side of the city where he rep- where he lives and represents being neglected uh, by the government. It's
8: a great constituency, some really great people, really strong community uh, right across the north side. But... um. It is difficult as an opposition TD. Um, we had, you know, I, I suppose the last really effective government minister in this constituency, to give him his credit, would have been Bernard Allen. Um, and he did a lot for the constituency, even though he's from a different political persuasion. Um, and I don't think governments since then have given the north side of the city um, equal opportunity. Um, we haven't had a senior minister in years. Um, and that does, whether people want to admit it or not, that is a factor in, you know, how well a constituency does. That is just the reality of politics. If you have a senior minister sitting in your constituency, you're more likely to get some of the, the goods from the cabinet table.
4: Yeah, you can, you can, you can actually hear the sense of frustration in his yeah. voice as well, uh, can't you, Fiona? Yeah, and I mean,
7: it has to be on some level for the majority of politicians it has to have it has to take its toll in some way do you know um you know when you're when you're coming across despair and frustration every single day and you're trying to help people and you know you hear of people then who've taken their own lives and you know that has to take its toll mm-hmm. and after 20 years um i think it just he just said that it it was time now to try something new and something fresh for himself um but you know he said that I asked him if he uh, had any regrets about going to the doll. Um, you, you know, you often hear from politicians who do go up to, to Dublin that they're away from their constituency. And um, he said that he hasn't had, he has no regrets. He really enjoyed every minute of it, um, and he's glad he did it. It's something that he's really, really passionate about, and you know, you could hear. When I was talking to him, there was a sense of sadness that he was giving up something that he has been really passionate about for so long. Um, But at the same time, you could hear the relief in his voice that
6: he's
7: made his decision now. And it's something that he is glad that he's doing. And, you know, he's um, it's just, you know, he said to me uh, as as I was going out the door that time now for him to do something for himself.
4: Yeah.
7: And he was and
4: a popular TD in the constituency.
7: He was, he was, you know, he was elected twice, um, he, he, he uh, you know, he, he when he was the Cork City Council he was very active on the streets of Cork and, uh, you know, he, even there yesterday when I was up in his office, with lots of people, the phone was busy, um, the guy who works in the reception area there, um, to, you know, fielding phone call after phone call, people calling in and, uh, you know, there was a lot of tributes paid to him on social media, people saying that he was... A really good politician for the area, and he will be a great loss. Uh, but you know, obviously, there were some people who didn't feel that way, and he said to me as well that he, he, he knew that, that there would be some people who'd be glad to see the back of him, and then there will be other people who'd be glad to see him go. But um, okay. and,
4: and and Mary Lou Mary Lou Macdonald, um, the Sinn Féin party leader, expressing confidence that the party will retain that uh, Dáil seat.
7: Yeah, it's very much. Um, Given now at this stage that Councillor Thomas Gould will run in the election, and another very very popular uh, councillor uh, in in the North Central, uh, in Cork North Central, and we saw that uh, you know he had been elected twice to Cork City Council, but more so in the by-election, he would have been it would have been his first time running in a, a by-election, and he he did really well. He, he came second in that constituency, um, and. You know, I think people are very confident now that he will take a seat in the general election. Okay,
4: okay, And just uh, finally, then you asked um, Jonathan uh, about will he continue to fight for local issues? And this is what he had to say. I'm
8: stepping down from frontline politics, but I'm I'm a political activist by nature. I I was an activist before I became an elected rep and I'll go back to being an activist, be an active member of the party till the day I die um, and I won't stop campaigning on issues. And I know there are people out there who will be happy to see the back of me. Um, There'll be people who will be sorry to see me go. That's the nature of politics. You have to be thick skinned. Um, But just right now, for me, I just felt it was the right decision. Um, And hopefully, you know, we can retain the seats with Thomas Gould and he'll bring a a new enthusiasm to the table. And, um, you know, hopefully. Cork Central will get its fair share, can you know, after the next general election?
4: Okay, there you go. That's uh, Jonathan O'Brien after his decision to step down after nine years as a TD. Uh, Fiona, thank you for that, and thank you for uh, all of those uh, clips. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is uh, Fiona Corcoran, our senior news uh, reporter. Uh, Nick in Ballyvallen says I do feel for Jonathan O'Brien for his personal loss. He spoke about that he lost his mother and as well, missing out on family and family time when you're up in a dull air. But on the political side, Nick says, I feel Jonathan O'Brien is leaving because of the loss of Gerry Adams stepping down as party leader and then of course the death of Martin McGuinness and Nick reckons in Bally for land reckons there's more to it than what Jonathan O'Brien is saying. Thank you for that. And by the way, oh, the bit of a can of worms I think we have here. When I mentioned earlier that a listener contacted us to say, she doesn't want her name read out, female listeners over saying, saying, is my employer the meanest man ever? Not a penny extra for Christmas, not a biscuit, not a sweet, not even a thank you, nothing, not even a smile. And this is a shop. I wonder what customers would think of this employer. Well, a couple of people have been on to us already on this one, including Noreen to say, I work for a small company. And like your other listener, we got nothing for Christmas. Yes, we did get a thank you for all of the hard work, which was nice and we really appreciated it. But that was it. I didn't really mind or think much about it until I started chatting to my friends over Christmas and realised what they got from their employer. And then I stopped. started to think, God, we got absolutely nothing. And isn't that funny? You're fine with the thank you and have a nice Christmas. And then suddenly you're talking with people who got, oh, got a 250 euro voucher, got a fantastic hamper, got this, I got that. And they think, God, I got absolutely nothing. And that's what got people thinking about, are are they working for the meanest company in the world? Barry says, the company I work for gave us a Christmas party. I also got a bottle of wine. Plus, at the party, there was a raffle for prizes, so I was happy with what we got says Barry it doesn't have to be very elaborate. Somebody else says our employers very generous, we all got two hundred and fifty euro vouchers that's that is generous doesn't say where where i did not say where that text is coming from or where they are. Where, where where they're actually working for 250 euros that is a very very generous gift indeed and here's a lovely text to say I took care of three children who are now all grown up but every Christmas their mother still gives me a very generous voucher and the children will all come to visit me people are so kind and I'm elderly now isn't that lovely and you obviously made such a huge impact on their life uh, on their lives whatever about when you were looking after the children you could understand the child minder you, you know you were an employee of course you would be looked after at Christmas and they wanted to show kindness to you by giving you a voucher but you continue doing it after the children are, you know, are grown up and for the children to come back and visit you uh, as well well done well done you've made a certainly a lasting and long lasting memory on their lives and they very much appreciate it and they're showing their appreciation with your, their very kind Christmas gift every year 1850 333 lines open
9: Court Today on C103 With a
1: solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Short Castle Street Mallow open seven days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and gas lowcostfuel.ie
9: Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go.
1: Grab our podcasts and get all the latest Cork news on your phone,
9: tablet, smart speaker and radio. Turn up
4: the volume.
1: We are C103.
4: The latest Irish Business Against Litter survey showing that 27 of the towns and cities surveys were deemed clean to European standards. It's very disappointing to hear that an area in Mallow town is being used for dumping. Damien, one of our listeners, has contacted the programme to highlight the area. Good morning to you, Damien. Good
10: morning, Trish. How are you? I'm
4: very well. Now, it's in Sandfield Terrace in Mallow. Can you tell us what's going on?
10: Uh, It's a laneway down in the back of houses in in Sandfield. Um, There seems to be rubbish being dumped there quite a lot and there's a good few bags there at the moment and there's buckets there and bits and pieces of everything thrown in there um, is it yes, domestic
4: I, is it domestic rubbish
10: from people's hands? It, it looks like it's, it's domestic I haven't you know I haven't seen what's in the bags because I didn't go in there because the gate is locked it's only a small gate and it seems to be someone that that is throwing it over the gate
4: do you think it's just one
10: person is doing yeah. it I I haven't got a clue who's doing it I mean it's just that I need highlight it highlighted and I know like you know and I know there's supposed to be a council so supposed to be coming up there today to have a look at it yeah yeah, I think myself there should be a camera put up there. There is there is room for cameras there.
4: Is it an area that's seen dumping in the past? Jamie?
10: I have seen a bit there, but not not a terrible lot. Like, but it's started growing in the last. As I say, it's like growing like a tree in the last the last uh, last few months. You know, the last couple of weeks, I've just seen extra bags going in there, like.
4: Yeah, you see, the danger is.
10: Like as well. a lot, the only, only reason that I'm really highlighting this is that there's a lot of elderly people there, and like there is, there, there like there's a lane way down to the school in the mornings, and there's kids going to school in the mornings, like, and like, like I all I'm really saying is like that that really like I mean a four-legged with a long tail come out the there, like, and that's a rat.
4: Yeah, I I mentioned that earlier. I just that would be my fear of any dumping going on near your home. Would be that it would attract vermin. It'll attract rats, and if, yeah. you know, and it's not fair on the elderly people because they'll and then be in fair, fear. It's
10: not fair. You run the kids going down to the school in the yeah, morning. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, but you see, the real
4: the real danger is, Jamie If one person dumps a bag or two, others then see it. Oh, you can yeah. dump there, yeah. and then yeah. it just gets added to.
10: And it's not it's not expensive to dump rubbish today. You know, I mean, most of waste is very reasonable. there. And and country clean, country clean. I mean, I must highlight country clean and the recycling centres. I mean, they're they're not expensive like to to don't rubbish.
4: And there's door to door bin collections. It's it, yeah. it's never it, been it, easier. easier. It's never no, been easier. No,
10: it's, it's it's a way it's a way better. I mean, like you couldn't go in there every week and pay it off there in the post office.
6: Yeah.
4: Okay. And which councillor do you believe uh, is going down to take a look
10: today? I think just Pat Hayes is
4: having a look at it. OK, we'll try and do a yeah. follow-up with uh, Pat Hayes yeah, about it. Yeah. OK, listen, thank you, Damien, for highlighting this No it.
10: problem. And just to before I go, I wish you a very happy New Year. And
4: many happy returns. Oh, thank yes, you for yeah, that. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And somebody has just sent in a text uh, with a photograph saying, Morning, Patricia. I went down to do some recycling today in Carmichael Lane. This is again in Mallow. The containers are full there. But please, that does not mean that c- people can just dump their bottles and cans etc by the containers even clothes have been dumped by the clothes recycling bin and the listener has sent on a photograph of all of the bottle banks are there and in front of every single one of them lots of bottles there's like some cardboard boxes that are fu- filled with bottles and cans there's a big black bag I don't know what's in that a black bag and i know it is frustrating if you have gathered up all of your recycling bottles and cans and you've cleaned them out and you have them all ready and you put them into the boot of your car and you drive down to the bring site and when you get to the bring site it's full i know that's frustrating but you please you either have to drive on and find another bring site or else you have to put all, leave all the items in the boot of your car and come back on another day but please would people stop just emptying the contents of their cars and leaving all of the bottles and cans standing there. Because that's, again, how we're going to end up attracting rats uh, to the area as well. Now, that's the Carmichael Lane one uh, when John Paul is going to get on to Pat Hayes, just because he seems to be the councillor that's going out to look at the Sandfield Terrace one. We'll also see if we can find out when Will those, when will the bring site be emptied in Carmichael Lane? I know when we came back last week, we had some calls in from people who were frustrated that over Christmas the bring sites weren't emptied enough, but I suppose people were on holidays and all of that. But you would imagine at this time of the year, almost on a daily basis, all of those bottle banks should be checked because this is the time of year the decorations have come down or are coming down and people are tidying up and getting their houses back to normal. This is the time when people will be out recycling and we have to unfortunately make it as easy as possible for people and and that means making sure that when people go to the bring sites that they are empty. So we'll see if we can find out when Carmichael Lane, when those bottle banks are going to be emptied. And another text that says another favourite dumping area in Mallow is on the Iron Mines Road. Always black bags of domestic rubbish dumped in on the roadside. So that's just shocking. And then it's taxpayers' money at the end of the day if the council have to go out and. Uh, clean it up 1850 333103 John Paul taking your calls text WhatsApp 0862 103,
9: 103 Cork today on C103 with a
1: solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow call and collect or get 7 day delivery for those cosy nights in lowcostfuel.ie Join Martina O'Donoghue weekdays from 4 on C103. The best in music, the up-to-date traffic, and all the latest entertainment news. Drive time on C103 with Kelleher's of McCroom. The place to order your new Ford car or commercial vehicle for 2020. See Kelleher's of Macroom.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
4: Can I wish happy Christmas? There was a text came in from Mikey McCroom to say, Patricia, would you wish my wife Elena from Russia a very happy Christmas day? Because today 7th of January is Christmas Day in Russia and the Russian Orthodox Churches. She is, as we speak, cooking Christmas dinner and listening to you. Happy birthday, or happy Christmas to Elena and indeed any of the other uh, uh, Russian nationals listening to us or people from Eastern Europe today is officially their Christmas Day. We hope they are enjoying themselves. Now, some of your lot of texts, a lot of texts and calls coming in. I'll do my best to get through as many of your comments as I can. Let me start with a text in about scams because we always like to get that information out to as many people as possible. Berna, thank you in Clonacill to think of you your text, Berna. Say, quick message to share with your listeners. There are a number of scams doing the rounds this morning. I've already received four of them. But you're very special and busy today, Berna. One carries the On Post logo. And the other is the AIB logo and the others were about lotteries. I'm assuming they came in by text message into Berners' phone. So please be aware the scam artists, they certainly have not gone away and they are picking up where they left off before Christmas and they appear to be back with a vengeance. For my listeners, Patricia, am I gone mad or what? The country is a disgrace and worse it seems to be getting. Now, my rant this morning is about my neighbours. My neighbour says this for my listeners, listener, will not use their big driveway. And people who call to see them park in such a way that other road users find it difficult to drive. And right alongside them there are four parking bays Pure, stupid people, says a listener. Would everybody stop and think when you decide to park, particularly if it's, I don't know if it's a residential area, but if you're parking outside somebody's house, will you just make sure that you're leaving room for other cars to pass or that you're not taking up somebody else's parking space? That's the listener having a bit of a rant today. Dennis, when we've been talking about vandalism that's going on, and, and we will be talking about this later on on the programme, because we're going back to the issue of Kilcolly Cemetery, that where we spoke yesterday. Now, there are people talking about 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 that as well Dennis says I think some some scumbags set fire to a Christmas tree collection site in Toker a few days ago Um, I don't know if I've had information on that maybe that was on our news was it we need to start naming and shaming and possibly fining them into poverty or jailing them because I'm sick of it sick of this type of vandalism unlike leaving bottles stacked up as was reported on your show earlier. This could have killed somebody, says uh, Dennis. Uh, vandalism at its worst for sure. Hi Patricia, I'm telling you now says Martin in moy if my parents grave was vandalised I would actually end up in prison because I would find those people and I would severely hurt them they are animals who vandalised that graveyard I would love to know who they are I hope they are caught and I hope they are dealt with Sir Martin in moy and someone else says on the Re- the Kilcolly graveyard, only those Who are satanic would do such a thing, says a listener who's putting it all back to it's the devil at work. Derek in Cork says, on the vandalised graveyards, the problem here is like all crime in Ireland. There are very little punishment. Like if these people are caught, what would happen to them? Absolutely nothing, says Derek in Cork. He's uh, not. Even though there is a guard, investigation and people are hoping that they will be caught. But I, yeah, but if they are caught, yeah, if they're of a, if they're of a certain age, will they just be, you know, are they juveniles who are doing it? I don't know. I mean, I just uh, looking at the damage that was done. It can't. They can't be young teenagers, can they? Could do that? You would need. I mean, if if you think about a graveyard and if you think of you know the lovely marble headstones that are put in in place and they're cemented into the ground. Take a lot of work and effort, wouldn't it, to smash one of those and to knock it over? It's you know, it's not a it's not something you'd bump off of, and would fall over. It would just take a lot of strength. So I, I don't know. I really don't know what's going on or what's in the minds or the mentalities of these people that they think it's okay to go. And desecrate anybody's grave. I just, I, I cannot understand it. Now, on Jonathan O'Brien, Happy New Year to you all. Says this texter, listening to your debate on a new report about Jonathan O'Brien and his decision not to stand in the next general election. I'll be sorry to see him go. Says this texter, but I'm a bit annoyed at the timing of his deci- his decision. All parties need to ask existing candidates well in advance of elections if they intend to stay. Well, in Jonathan O'Brien's defence, he did say that he had spoken to Mary Lou MacDonald, the leader of the Sinn Féin party, last summer. So he was giving you know almost a, a good year's notice to the next general election to say that he wasn't happy, that he was frustrated and that he felt it was time for him to bow out of politics. And it was she persuaded him to hang in there and then they decided that he'd wait and see how did the Sinn Féin party do in the by-election and when he saw how well Thomas Gould did in the by-election he then went back I suppose to Mary Lou and said look that seat is safe look how well Thomas did in the by-election you know he'll take my seat we won't lose the seat and I suppose at that point then Mary Lou said okay I'll, I'll accept your your resignation so I know you say you, you're annoyed at the time and you can't blame Jonathan O'Brien for that he did his best to try to get the message out as early as possible to Mary Lou so that she could decide well in advance who she was going to put in in his place and Heidi says Good morning Patricia I heard you speaking about the upcoming general election I really hope that people remember the TDs that have worked hard on behalf of us and not those that just pay lip service to us. We just have to look at the health service. It is in a shambles. And then we have the likes of Shane Ross, really does not appear to live in the real world doesn't drive but yet is ready to hit motorists every single time. It's time to put TDs on their watch says uh, Heidi. Thank you for that and Tim and thank you Tim for pointing this out to me when we were talking about Corknut Central because that's the constituency where Jonathan O'Brien is a sitting TD and I mentioned there have been four TDs uh, who got elected the last time out and only one now name will be on the ballot paper. That's Mick Barry. But let us not forget who won the by-election that we had before Christmas and that, of course, was Porrick O'Sullivan who ran for Fianna Fáil. and he has been selected. He won the by-election and he will be outgoing in Cork North Central. He has been selected for Cork East. OK, so he won't be running. He won't be running in Cork North Central, Tim, as what you're saying. He's been selected for Cork East instead, which means then that only one of the sitting TDs for Corknut Central name will actually be on the ballot paper okay Tim thank you for that we were just stay on elections Patricia snap election is most likely to catch voters off guard Leo Radker knows what he will meet and hear on the doorsteps he ruled through the banks he gave money to big farmers and big businesses the hospitals are only a system a symptom of the pressure people are under. This government has done what Cromwell failed to do, according to this texter. There are a lot of forgotten people that haven't been represented in Dáil Éireann for many, many years but are working hard and they just seem to be going backwards. That's somebody very disillusioned with politics at the moment. Thank you for your text to 103 103 and thank you to Denny O'Brien in his card for his lovely text remembering Marion Finucane of course his funeral takes place this morning and Happy New Year says another text to Patricia many happy returns I was just listening there about the mean shopkeeper who this was the texter who kicked us off this morning with the text about worked hard in the shop coming up to Christmas and got nothing not a tin of biscuits not a bar of chocolate not even a thank you well this text it says and that then led to people talking about what they got or didn't get for Christmas from their employee and it seems to be divide. there seems to be a divide there seems to be very generous employees employers who looked after their employees and then there seems to be other employers who didn't, either couldn't afford I'd like to think that they couldn't afford rather than they're just being pure mean it would be awful to think that they're just being mean and acting almost Scrooge-like at Christmas Anyway, this texter says I was listening to you about the mean shopkeeper Well, I work for the HSC This year the roster was so tightly staffed that anyone who was out sick was not replaced and the powers that be didn't seem to give a damn. The residents' families do drop in chocolates or biscuits etc but you don't even get a thank you from the management or a well done or a sorry for the short staffing. We never get anything from our employer ever. Says somebody who works for the HSC and that's the same for all the government departments as well and civil servants because when we used to talk about employers being very generous, time and time again we heard from people in the public sector who said... You know when there's always that thing about the public sector versus the private sector, people in the public sector always pointed that out to us that it's in the private sector that people are well looked after and people can be very generous, employers can be very generous but nothing like that happens when you work in the public sector you get your wages and that is it. But people will say you have a job for life, that's how how people look at it. Now there's also a couple of people have been on about this the state commemorating the Royal Irish Constabulary. Can I see some of the quests, some of the calls that have come in this morning already? Theresa McCroom says, it is like what's going on in the Middle East at the moment. It's like you asked those people to hold a commemoration for ISIS. In my area, there was a man killed going down the churchyard by the RIC. Another person only for getting into a drain and Hiding there for three hours he also would have been killed. All he was trying to do was take a message from McCroom to Manway. So my, why commemorate these people who did awful things to Irish people? Cannot understand it at all. And someone else was on. Dony says, I do not think they should be honoured. They were so violent and trigger happy back in the day. It is wrong to honour them. And there is a growing storm I have to say, over the state, planning to commemorate the Royal Irish Constabulary, the RIC, and the Dublin Metropolitan Police, the DMP. And there are politicians from all over the country now planning to boycott the event. The Taoiseach Baird of Varadkar and the Justice Minister, Charlie Flanagan, have been forced to defend the plans to remember the pre- independence police forces and they're doing it next week in Dublin Castle. Now, Charlie Flanagan insisted it won't be a celebration of either organisation and that it was in no sense a commemoration of the notorious Black and Tans parliamentary force. And of course, remember, the Black and Tans backed up the RIC. And i not saying the commemoration of the Black and Tans, but we cannot forget that that's, you know, when you look back in our history, that's what the Black and Tans did. They backed up the RIC and yet the government are now saying that they want to commemorate the RIC. Now the event is part of a decade of centenaries. It'll be attended by surviving family members of those who served in the RIC and the DMP, as well as historians and politicians. But as I say, there are now a number of politicians from around the country who are saying they're going to boycott the event. I think probably the very first to come out was the Fianna Fáil Mayor of Clare, Cahill Crow. He sparked the row when he announced he wouldn't attend the commemoration because he believed that it was a betrayal of those who fought for Irish independence. Now I know here in uh, Cork the Fianna Fáil Lord Mayor of Cork, John Sheehan says he won't attend and I think he's got a very good reason as well for not attending. He said his own attendance would be inappropriate because a former holder of his office, a former Lord Mayor of Cork, one Thomas McCartan was shot dead by an RIC member during the War of Independence. So, you know, John Sheehan was saying he would have to go to an event like this, wearing the chain of office that Thomas McCurtain would have worn. And he would be wearing that chain of office to commemorate a group whose members were responsible for his, his death. I really can understand that. And an Ole of Radker came out and said, He's comparing it and saying that it was controversial, remember a number of years ago, to remember the deaths of Irish soldiers who died in the British Army in World War One. And he was saying that that was controversial at the time. Uh, And then, you know, people changed their minds about it. That doesn't sit well with me. I don't think you can compare like with like. I don't think, Okay, there was criticism of Irish, many of them young men, who went and joined the British army and fought in the, in the First World War. But that was a very different situation and they were fighting what at the time was promised to be the war that would end all wars. It, it sadly wasn't. That wasn't Irish men killing other Irish men and and women. I just think, it maybe it's me, but it doesn't. That comparison of saying it was like the criticism of Irish, the Irish people joining British in in, this, in the First World War. That comparison just doesn't sit with me. Anyway, as I, as I say, I can see some of our listeners are also against the commemoration of the Royal Irish Constabulary and the Dublin Metropolitan Police, which is going to happen next week in Dublin Castle. And I'm just looking down through the cause and text that we have had in so far, and we welcome your thoughts uh, on this, please. Anyone in favour of it? Does it? Am I? Is anybody seeing it from Lee of Radker? And Charlie Flanagan's point of view, it is the start of this, you know, remembering what happened this decade of centenaries. And, and, you know, it is right that we don't forget and it is right that we remember things that happened, uh, you know, the centenaries, things that happened 100 years ago. But should we stop and think about what exactly we are commemorating here and think of the sensitivities of the families who lost loved ones because of the actions of the RIC are in Dublin the the, the DMP. 1850 Jump all, taking your call text or WhatsApp 0862 103103.
9: 103. C103 jobs. With
1: Hewitt College, now enrolling for full time fifth and sixth year and repeat leaving cert programs. Your success is built on their experience. See HewittCollege.ie.
4: General labour required for the North Cork area. You must be over 25 with a clean driver's license. A tractor driver required for an agri Tractor that's in the North Cork area. Qualified hairdresser wanted. It's for a maternity cover for June, July, and August, and it's in the Rosscarbery area. And a full-time waiter or waitress is wanted for Poacher's Seafood Bar and Restaurant they of course are based in Bandon. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
9: Cork today on C103.
1: With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go, Shortcastle Street, Mallow, smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie.
4: And due to a pump failure, we've just been told there's no water in Ballyhoo in the surrounding areas today until at least 5pm. They are working to sort it out. Okay, That's just in from Irish Water so apologies to people in the valley, Ballyhooley. Surrounding areas, no water uh, due to that pump failure. Now as we come to the close of the Christmas season for this year we thought we would take time to speak to one of the families here in Cork who light up their homes and gardens and do it to raise money for worthwhile charities. Sean and Noreen McSweeney from Drima League have one of the most impressive light displays this year and they've been raising funds for the Hospice Foundation among other charities for the last 18 years and Noreen McSweeney joins me. Good morning to you, Noreen. Good morning Patricia. Uh, ha- uh, happy New Year to you. Many happy returns. Now take me back how did the lighting of your house start? I believe it was about 25 years ago.
11: It started 25 years ago we just put up um Tree out in the patio and a few decorations and we did it again the following year and the following year and went from there until until it got very big and then people often said to us why not collect for some charity and we were very slow to do this but anyway going back about 16 or 17 years we decided we would do it. So what so you put
4: out a little box outside is it? We have
11: two boxes yeah. yeah we have two collection boxes
4: and people, so you don't even see some of the people who donate money? Oh, we wouldn't see quarter of the people.
11: <laughs> yeah, but, but it is wonderful it, and it's lovely to see it at night. It's beautiful at night. And the people, if it wasn't for the generosity and the goodwill of the general public, we wouldn't be able to do this. I
4: know, people I know. People
11: come back year after year and uh, to support the sporty cause. And despite the bad weather, they, come, they still come back and we love to see the people coming in for the cup of tea and the chat.
4: You, you offer the cup of tea in the chat as oh, well?
11: Oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so oh your God. house is very busy then for the month of oh, December? very busy. We have 33 nights of it. We never go outside the door for 33 nights. So isn't that punishment enough for us?
4: Ah, and, and you love it, I'd say, I do you? I love it.
11: I yeah. love it. And my husband loves it as well. He loves to see the people coming in and having the cup of tea. And knock we always tell people, knock at the door and come in and have the cup of tea in the chat.
6: And we God. never know
11: who's out there because, like, our garden is very big and our yard is big, and the yard would be full of cars and everything. But it's great to have the support.
6: And
4: when do you start, you and Sean? When do you start putting up the lights?
11: Yeah, we start um, the first of November.
4: Oh yes, a lot of work goes into it.
11: Huge yeah. amount of work goes into it. Yeah, and we finish the eighth of uh, January.
4: Okay. Oh, they so they're, they're lit for another two nights.
11: Yeah, for another two nights. Two nights, nights. Yeah. okay. Yeah, well, actually, it's it's
4: Christmas Day in Russia today, so it's appropriate that they're st- they'll still be lighting tonight and tomorrow night. Oh, God, now, yeah. you so you start at the beginning of November, and it's bit by bit the lights go up.
11: Oh, yeah. Well, I, I have a generator. We have a generator running them, you see. Okay. Right. And we, the ESP run more of them. And they have six or seven pints that have to go to plug them in and turn them on.
4: So do they come on automatically every night no, for you No, no, they no. do
11: not. No, I have to go out and do it. Oh yeah.
4: What's the, I know you've got a generator for some of them but what's the electricity bill like?
11: Well, around the 1200 I'd say. Oh! And the tank of diesel as well. Oh! With and and you pay for all that yourselves? Oh God, yeah. Are yeah. You're as good? You're, every, you. every euro down to the last thing that goes into that box goes on to the uh, charities.
4: And roughly how much do you raise every year?
11: Well, when the last, uh, fifteen years now. I say we have raised about uh, 160 or 170 thousand I think that's about ten thousand every year, is it? Yeah, well, it's more now at the moment.
4: That's unreal.
11: People... We had we had twelve and a half thousand last year, and I hope to come up to run up to that again this year.
4: People are just incredibly generous. Oh, there,
11: there's an amount of wonderful people out there. But I
4: think also they appreciate what yourself and Sean are doing. <laughs> well, they must. Yeah. Yeah, yes, I, yes. I I really do, and you
11: are the bulk of your money goes to the hospice, isn't it? Well, well, yeah, but the hospice in Bentley because they're nearest. they like and they're they're doing wonderful work.
4: Yeah, wonderful we're going to we're going yes. to talk with them in a minute. Yes. and I saw a video clip. I think it was the Southern Star put it up a few a few years ago. Uh, it's it's up on YouTube if people want to see a Noreen's house because it's really spectacular. Have you favourite pieces? Oh,
11: um, well, everything is my favourite. Is it? There's lovely pieces out there. Yeah. I love the crib. Oh, the crib is beautiful. Yeah, the where, crib is beautiful.
4: Where do you buy all the lights?
11: Well, I our main man is um, Handy's in Cork. Yeah, He's Handy, he is very, very good to me. Like he always give me a few pieces for the lot. Was he? He's very, very good. Yeah, and I buy in your man. Buy any place I see something nice, I pick it up. Do you buy every year? Oh God, yeah. Oh, you do. Oh God, I do, yeah. And then you, could, you have to throw out some bits, I suppose. Oh, sure, you lose so much every year. I know yes, the weather is so bad here. Like you know, we lose so much every year.
4: Yeah, it's hard to. It's hard in our weather.
11: It's very hard with the bad weather, but people still come out. So they're they're wonderful. They're great.
4: And the taking down of it must be a bit of a nightmare, no? Oh, Nore. it's
11: a nightmare. We'll be out there now. Uh, Thursday morning, we'll be out there. It will take about three weeks to take them down. Oh. God. Yes. and are they packed away very carefully oh we have a huge big garage and I put them in there like well, you know they're not very careful because we get so tired didn't we just put them oh, in no.
4: you'd be throwing yes. them you'd be
11: firing them in at the end and we roll up all the lights we're all up the light lights, and we hang them up in nails and dry them out.
4: Oh, do you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and yeah. see, so and so you, the, the lights survive. Do they? They're, they're sturdy when, enough. When
11: some of them more and more won't. Yeah. You know, with the bad weather, you know, because we have a lot of high trees here, and the the wind. If we get a storm, the wind drives the lights right through the bushes, and I have to try and pull them out, and get oh. the next day. So there's a huge amount of work in this. And what was the weather this year? Did you? Did well, we, get we had many? two bad weeks. Of it. We had it two right. bad weeks of wind. Yeah, but yeah. thank God it was very good around the Christmas,
4: which is the important time when and you when you God want all, all the people to come. stay yeah. there. Because I want to bring in Joe Keen. He's on the okay. other line. Okay. Joe is with the Bantry Hospice. He's a representative with the Bantry Hospital, uh, Bantry Hospice. Okay. Uh, good morning to you, Joe. Good morning Patricia, how Joe, are you? I'm very well. Fundraisers like what the Noreen and her husband Sean are doing, are they vital to the future of the hospice?
12: Unbelievable, and I think Noreen said it there, I mean, the generosity of the people of West Cork is unbelievable and in this particular case... Uh, the the uh, palliative care units are in Bantry, but we get support from uh, right throughout West Cork. And uh, Noreen and, and Sean are a classic example of that. Uh, five years ago, they rang us to say that they did money for us. We did. I, I was never out in that house before. We went out to collect the money. I hadn't seen the lights that year. We went out to collect the money and it was an unbelievable welcome, an unbelievable night we had out there and ever since we have been out there for the last number of years. <laughs> it's an unbelievable house to go out there, very welcoming and the amount of work that goes into it is just amazing. It amazes me that, you know, it's, it's a tricky enough location to find because it's real rural Ireland but people go there and they donate and it's just absolutely amazing the amount of money that's collected. It really is phenomenal and it really goes to show how people support the hospice, uh, hospice, uh, the Bantry Hospice, which covers West Cork, but how they support and how they see this is a worthy cause and they really come along to support this.
4: Yeah, That's and then it becomes a bit of a Christmas tradition for families as well. Oh, we have to go see the McSweeney's house every well, year. Well,
12: <laughs> then we have made it a point. I was out there only last week with my, my three girls, my three young girls and my son as well. And, you know, it's 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 almost, it's, it's a thing we have to do every year now. There's yeah. out there. Uh, and they love seeing the lights because it's an amazing, the amount of work that goes into this is phenomenal, you know. You know the hassle yourself of putting up the bloody tree and putting yeah, up the
6: lights. Yeah, yeah.
12: When you go to Noean's and you kind of think, Jesus, you know, there's every part of it is lit up. Coming up to the house, the whole lawn, the cribs, everything, there's an amount of work that goes into it. And I think it's underestimated the amount of work and the amount of hassle I think she's had over the years as well with wind and things like that. and yeah. You know, she's really put herself and Sean have put huge work into this and it really just goes to show the generosity that the people have uh, that they do put this time in. It really is fantastic, you know. And
4: and I think it's amazing to hear her say that she says to people she knock on the door and come in for the cup of tea. Oh, (laughs)
12: we've been in there nights. We've been in there nights, you know, and uh, you know it's, it's it's home measures you get in that house uh, <laughs> so, so it can be a little bit tricky some nights getting out of there but there has, I mean the welcome there is on Brilliant. The Brilliant. all the time they're,
4: incre- they're incredible uh, yeah. people and just so people know two more nights left if you haven't seen the Mac Sweeney's house uh, and it's signpost it's, it's signposted Norn from Dreena Cross isn't it Oh always is
11: yeah
4: yeah yeah, it it's is. well, it's well signposted for for oh, for well people yeah, for well people to friend find friend. It. Yeah, it. And um, Joe, tell me a little bit about the hospice in in Bantry. It's 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 run under Marymount, is it? It is. It yeah. Is.
12: So the hospice was. I'll tell you the story very briefly. The story was that in 2008, when the hospice was formed, there was a young chap died in Bantry, and the community got together and they decided they do a fundraising walk where they raised thirty six thousand in 2008. And that year, the CEO of Marymount came down, a guy by the name of uh, Kevin O'Dwyer. He came down, and the owner of the, co- the company I work for here, Mrs. Wagner, a row pharmaceuticals, she decided she she was asked to present a cheque to him. The cheque was for 36,000. And she met Kevin that day, and she said, Kevin, listen, I'm going to round this cheque up to 40,000, she said. But she said, it's going to be the first cheque you get from me, and the last cheque, she said, because we're going to start a hospice uh, unit here in Bantry Hospital. And since then... We've fundraised. We've raised 1.1 million. Wow. We've uh, there's been two units built up in Bantry Hospital, and now we support the palliative care team. We we support the palliative care team in Bentry, uh, in West Cork to the tune of about a hundred thousand every year, or just under a hundred thousand. To hardship funds, to replacing cars, through all this. So we take the pressure off Marymount in West Cork by doing that.
4: That's incredible. And it's so needed in a rural area, oh, yeah. Joe. You
12: see, the challenges. the challenge is, you know, for people living in, in League and Domanway and places like that, you know, they don't want to travel to Cork. Yeah. They want to stay in West Cork and it has allowed people to do that. And the amount of people, unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know what word you would use in this particular case, but that have moved through the um, palliative care beds inventory is brilliant for the families that the service is there. It's sad, obviously, that it's tinged with, tinged with sadness, but it's brilliant that it's there for the families. You know what I mean?
4: It's fantastic and lo- long may it continue. And what we've
12: also set up now as well is we've set up a hardship fund. Because you know, uh, Patricia, when cancer hits a house, it turns the house upside down. You know, uh, people have to take time off work and all this. So we, and basic things like heating for a house or even, uh, you know, food over Christmas and things like that. So we support families with what we call a hardship fund as well where we make funds available to families that are in need as well, through the palliative care
10: team.
4: Yeah, because it's, it's an issue we, I mean, what I'm always trying to highlight it here on this programme, the financial cost of cancer, because I think oh. when cancer hits, people are so focused and everyone outside is so focused on the person getting better. But nobody stops to ask, how, you know, how's this family doing financially? If the main breadwinner, for example, can no longer work, the bills are still going to come in.
12: And if you can take away some of those worries, yeah. you know, you've you've achieved some of your job because you know there is an awful lot of mental anguish and stress and all that when, when you get this news. So that's what we are trying to do as well. We're trying to provide support and through Noreen and Sean and people like that that have really supported us and phenomenal support. I mean, that they do this tirelessly and uh, year in, year out is just phenomenal. And then we can, you know, distribute money through the palliative care team to where it's needed most, which is okay. our objective all the time. It, it,
4: it is brilliant. And, and one of the other of you might let us know when Noreen has finally totted up all of the money, well, exactly how much is raised. So that we can say a big thank you to everybody who donated to, to the Max Sweeney Fund. And I,
12: I think it's important to point out, and I know she said it, but I think it's important that they fund all that the yeah. electricity. And the diesel and the people calling and all that incredible I mean, that is tremendous, I think that people put in that amount of effort, you know, and you know people talk about communities. I'm telling you the community of West Cork is so vibrant for this sort of thing it's just fantastic
4: Mighty people here's a lovely text in say hi Patricia Margaret here in Bantry I go to see Mrs McSweeney's lights every year they're absolutely amazing and Mrs McSweeney is such a lovely lady she does ask people in for tea we met her this year for the first time my little granddaughter loved all of the lights long long may it continue Noreen yourself and Joe our seven and Sean can take a long earned rest <laughs> at the end of this I can tell you that you're, you're, you're mighty people and um, Thanks a million for joining us on yes. the programme.
11: Patricia, can I just say a huge thank you to everyone that supported us and I want to say thanks to Fields and Skibreen. They sponsored the bread for our um, presentation right here. Okay,
4: on to Fields.
11: Yes. OK, listen, yes. and let, and let, us,
4: let us know, will you, what the final figure is because it would be great to give it a mention.
11: Yeah, and thank you very much for everything and I want to thank the people again. They're so good. There's so many good people out there. I got cancer myself and I came out the right side of it. Well done. So So that we're all so thankful for everything.
4: Well you're a mighty woman, long yeah. may you continue, Noreen, our yeah. yeah. best we'll wishes be to better, Sean. We'll
11: be back again next You will of course God. you will of course, God bless yeah. and thank, thank you for you that much. and Joe, thank you, thank
4: you, you for me. joining us. No yeah. problem. Yeah. Uh, g- uh, good morning that is uh, Noreen Maxweeney from Dream League, two nights left if you want to go along and see what is a really really impressive display of Christmas lighting and if you have a spare few Bob, bring it along throw it in the box knowing all the money uh, will be going to uh, Bantry Hospice and thanks to Key. Bantry Hospice Representative 1850 333 103 John Ball, text your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103
9: 103 Court today on C103 with
1: a
4: solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Short Castle Street
1: Mallow open seven days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and gas lowcostfuel.ie Hello this is Eric Griffin Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems.
9: Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey.
5: Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Declan Ernie here and you're listening to Eric Griffin on Country and Irish on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish remains right here on
1: C103.
4: And Anne from the Friends of Marymount Hospice says the Max Sweeney lights that you featured this morning on the programme are absolutely fantastic. Marymount also benefit from their display of lights and uh, Sean and uh, Eileen are wonderful. Are a wonderful couple, and we want to endorse everything that Joe said from the Bantry Hospice Group. And Eileen in Clonakilty says uh, compliments to the Maximinis. I took my two grandchildren there last week. They loved it, and we particularly loved the husky Docs. Thank you for that. That's from Eileen in Clonakilty. Two more nights left though, uh, is what uh, Noreen said. There's just two nights left if you want to go along and see the lights tonight and tomorrow. Now, the Cork Subacqua Club will be holding its annual Tri-Dive event on the 15th of January at the Mayfield Sports Complex. So, if you're looking to take up a new hobby for the new year, then this might be just for you. Joining me from the club, the dive officer, and that's uh, John Bennett. Good morning to you, John.
13: Good morning, Patricia, and uh, thank you and all at C103 for the opportunity to promote uh, both the Corps of Aqua Club and our upcoming triadive activity. Well, that's
4: our pleasure. I was unaware until I was reading about this yesterday that there are many health benefits to diving. Talk to me a bit about that first.
13: OK, so Patricia, there's uh, a lot of health benefits and I guess we can break, break it down into two areas. There's the physical benefits and there's also the, I suppose, mental benefits as well. And on the physical side, a dive, I can um, tell you that it's a, a real all-body workout. Uh, and you don't actually realize it when you're doing it. It's only afterwards you realize that you've been through a fantastic workout. Um, most people don't associate scuba diving with fitness. However, it's an excellent way to maintain fitness. It can improve blood circulation along with reducing blood pressure. And I guess for me, it's um, enough that's about the emotional well-being. Diving, is a great stress reliever. You Isn't know, I've it? never received a phone call at 20 metres. So it's it's <laughs> that's a,
4: that's a good connection to the That's a good point. And is diving a popular sport here in Cork?
13: It's a really popular sport in Cork. You know, uh, our club, it's, it's 40 years old and we've currently got 58 members. Uh, these members range from 18 to 70 plus. I'm not going to mention the exact ages. A okay. uh, mix of men and women, varied backgrounds, nationalities, religions, and our club's all about diversity and inclusion. And, and I guess. And I
4: assume because of the wonderful coastline on which we live, many good diving spots off the coast?
13: The most amazing dive spots are based in Cork. And I'm looking at across Europe as well, because both our diversity and also our density of life underwater is phenomenal. Every dive that we go on, we're going to see lobsters, crayfish, jellyfish, sharks, octopus. Monkfish, eel, spider crab, you name it, we, we have it in the Irish waters. Is
4: it a very social sport?
13: It's amazingly social. You know, um, we've got members from all walks of life. We, you know, if we just take the scuba and scuba and translate that into, you know, roles that people work in, we've got sous chefs, solicitors, soldiers, surgeons, software engineers, school teachers and security guards. You know, so we've got so such a wide variety of backgrounds of people but yet we've all got this common understanding of of diving and and passion for diving as well that brings us all together. Is it easy to learn how to dive? Uh, You know what the hardest part is just breathing in and breathing out. Yeah yeah. You know uh, I know a lot of people you know have this preconception that you need to be a great swimmer. Yeah. Uh, I don't upset any members in in our club but There's not too many great swimmers in our club, I must say. (laughs) But but that said, we do need a a minimum amount of water fitness. So you do need to be able to snorkel a certain length. You do need to be able to, you know, not get out of breath when you're doing certain activities. And, Mm. you know, actually next week we're going to do do a water fitness test as well to ensure that everyone is up to speed before they go diving. Because health and safety is our number one priority.
4: Yeah, I'm assuming like a level of confidence in the water is what you'd need.
13: you need a level of confidence, not a huge amount, but actually scuba diving actually helps to increase that confidence yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. If, if you aren't confident right now, out of your own debt, you know.
4: And John, what about the cost? Is 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 diving equipment expensive?
13: So, it, the, I suppose when it comes to the club, there's a huge amount of second-hand gear that's available. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't be rushing into you know looking at putting all the gear together if you are a brand new member. There's so many members in our club that are great for advice, and I want to give a shout-out to John Chambers as well in the Cork Dive Centre, who's, who's great for advice as well. Um, you know, we're a not-for-profit organisation, so our fees are kept to minimum. Um, our insurance, obviously, is, is quite important, and that's with the Irish Underwater Council, the national governing body for um, underwater sports in Ireland, and we need to have that insurance at a minimum. Our fees are quite low, you know, €250 euros for the year is the maximum. If you're a family, it reduces, or if there's a couple there, that can re- reduce as well. Uh, and the equipment side is no one's going to buy the equipment next week. It's a case of we will loan our existing equipment to people who want to try to dive.
4: Yeah, until They're you decide if this is for you or not.
13: Exactly. But I guarantee you that no one will forget their first experience of breeding underwater.
4: Now, tell me what happens at a tri-dive event it's on in the Mayfield Sports Complex.
13: Right, so at the Mayfield Sports Complex, um, you know, we we use them every single year for our tri-dive night. People turn up, they register, there's no fees involved, but they do need to bring a a togs and a towel. And once they've got them, we're going to take care of everything else. We're going to bring the fins, the masks, the snorkels, the tanks, the regulators, all the equipment that's required, and we will give one-to-one instruction Plus, we'll introduce it to all the members of the club. So Dave Reardon is our dive officer, and he's going to be the gentleman running the show. And I guess now's the time to give you a call to action. So, you know, if anyone is interested, please email Dave Reardon. His email address is reardon.dee at mac.com. But, Patricia, we also have a Facebook uh, site as well, and it's facebook.com forward slash subatra. And all the details are on that as well.
4: Okay, because obviously you want numbers. You don't just want people simply turning up on the night. Exactly. It's a great gauge of
13: numbers a bit better.
4: Okay. listen, we wish you uh, happy diving during 2020, John. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme.
13: Thank you, Patricia, for the opportunity to speak again. Good morning.
4: Good morning to you. Bye-bye. John Bennett there, dive officer with the Cork Subaqua Club.
1: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
4: Margaret in Dumanway said there is a fantastic show of lights by Chrissy and Michael in Kilbarry in, uh, outside Manway. It would take your breath away to see them. Also, there's one, I don't know if they're still, if anyone can let, let me know, Chrissy and Michael in Kilbarry, are their lights still lighting because the McSweeneys are on for the next two nights and then they're taken down and we won't see them again until Christmas of 2020. Margaret in Dumanway also says they, the library window is outstanding. The 12 days of Christmas were knitted by the local knitting club. I swear to God, the, the, some of those knitting clubs are incredible the talent. If anyone can get a picture of that into us, I take it it's the library in Dunmanway the local knitting group have knit the 12 Days of Christmas. If anybody can get a photograph of that into us, I would love to see it. And somebody else was on to say Patricia, where did you see the Max Sweeney's lights display? Is it on Facebook? It's not on Facebook. I'll tell you where I saw it yesterday when I was just doing some research when I knew that Noreen and Joe was coming onto the programme today. Uh, if you go on to YouTube and just put in Max Sweeney's Dreamer League Christmas lights, it comes up now it's from a number of years ago, it's not from this year but it just gives you a, an understanding of the amount of work that the McSweeneys do, and they're just one of many, many families. I know there's some fantastic families doing incredible lighting of their homes and gardens and have done it this year for charity and it's wonderful to see and long long may it continue. Let me quickly take a look at some of your calls and texts coming into the programme. Michael Welton has wants, wants me to give a mention that the dancing classes are not returning this week but they will be back next week. He had intended running them tonight but he's decided to postpone it until next week at all of the usual venues. If you're planning on going social dancing and waiting for the classes you've got to wait until next week, Sheila says, many thanks for suggesting Detol Mould and Mildew. It's magic. Happy New Year. Many happy returns, Sheila. We spoke about that before Christmas. It is one of my go-to products. I swear by the stuff. I think it is brilliant. I know everyone doesn't like the smell of it, but if you need to get rid of mould or mildew in your bathroom or anywhere in the house, it is the only product that 100% does exactly what it says on the tin. It really is incredible. OK, people are talking about the RIC and the commemoration, the state's commemoration of the Royal Irish Constabulary and the Dublin Metropolitan Police, with the politicians from all over the country now planning to boycott. And that list continues. It got kicked off with the mayor of Clare, Cahill Crow. He certainly was the first person I heard, who says he wasn't going to go along to this commemoration and he says it was a portrayal of those who fought for freedom. Some of our listeners, in- interesting thoughts and different thoughts coming in. Let me give you some of them. John and Clann says, on the commemoration of the RIC, who, who came up with this commemoration? They need to wake up. Leo, you are dishonouring the people who made this country. We have all relations who fought for our independence, says John in Clonacilty, who would have been affected by what the RIC did at the time. Hi Trish the Taoiseach and the government of this country are so out of touch with the country and the people in the country listening to them and John Bruton last night. Are we supposed to rewrite history to suit everyone? We are just gone so politically correct we've lost the run of ourselves. Do they realise we are being colonised? This seems to be escaping the government's this seems to be escaping the government's view on this. Also, will they celebrate in November the slaughter of what happened in Croke Park? Well the the Taoiseach and Charlie Flanagan, the Minister for Justice, says that this event is part of a decade of centenaries. So there's, there's a lot of for over the next 10 years we're going to be celebrating lots of things that happened and we've already started so we're into the 10 years aren't we, this decade of the centenary so will they, commem- will they commemorate and remember the slaughter of Croke Park? You would like to think certainly that they would. John and Butterford says Patricia, speaking about the RIC and the atrocities they committed people should realise that they were Irish men just like the present day on Garda corner don't forget the IRA committed atrocities as well at that time, says John in Butterworth. So do I take it from that text, John, that you are in favour of this commemoration going forward? And Charlie Flanagan is insisting it's not a celebration, that it is in and that it was in no sense a commemoration of the notorious Black and Tans. They're adamant that they're pointing that out, but they are commemorating the Royal Irish uh, Constabulary and the Dublin Metropolitan Police. And in courses, I was appalled that they would even want to consider commemorating the RIC. It would be a bit like the Jews wanting to commemorate the Nazis for the Holocaust and inviting those who were in the gas chambers to come along and remember it. It would it would cause too much pain to come along and be involved in it and that's how many family members are feeling. And just let me get, because we're going to pick up on this by the way again tomorrow because we're getting so much reaction to it. Michael says, uh, George Orwell says, The further society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. Had the DUP supported Theresa May's deal, we would have a soft Brexit, the backstop, a few more billion every year for roads and schools. The DUP would still have 10 MPs and to this day effectively be in government in London. It must be the greatest miscommunication of our time. We as a nation should respect all traditions in the country and be mature enough to acknowledge all sides of our past, like our civil war, the atrocities happened on both sides. Are we afraid to tell people about our suffering of the past by sweeping it under the carpet as if never thinking of it it will simply go away? By all means, give today's Ireland the facts from both sides worse than all, says Michael and Castanberg, who I'm assuming is backing the commemoration and understands what the government and Leo Varadkar and the Justice Minister Charlie Flanagan's trying to do. Okay, let me park that for a moment because I say we will be returning to it uh, tomorrow. Eighteen fifty-three, three-three-one-zero-three. Some of your calls coming in about Christmas gifts from employers. Here's two really interesting WhatsApps. The first one says, "Morning, Patricia. Profits and businesses increased substantially when employees feel that their efforts are appreciated." One of my family's employer went to. Above and beyond, to reward his staff with an amazing Christmas dinner and accommodation in a city hotel for the night of the Christmas party. They then each received a huge hamper filled with amazing quality of luxury go- goods that also included a very generous voucher. Needless to say, he's running a very successful business with his staff knowing that their efforts are always rewarded. Another family member didn't even get a smile from his employer and it makes me wonder how dedicated his staff will be for this coming year and that's that's exactly what we're hearing from people that it was when they started chatting to family members over Christmas and obviously it would come up, I mean you could imagine the person whose employer looked after them that well Christmas night out, overnight accommodation, Christmas dinner and then they all, as they pack up to go home, this luxury hamper and inside a very generous voucher, and they go home and speak to a brother or a sister. Well, how did you do for Christmas? Look at what I got. We got nothing, not even a smile. You can imagine the animosity that it creates for that employee when they go back into work after Christmas. And certainly, that's what we're hearing from a number of people. Now, this is one that shocked me to the core. As a texter says, and I've no reason to to dispute it. I work for a supermarket. All the staff got for Christmas was six euro to spend in the shop that to me is an insult to the staff now if that is true I'm really taken aback by that that is an absolute insult I would rather that an employer gave nothing or else took that six euro and bought something like the biscuits and the tins of roses they were nearly giving them away a lot of the supermarkets I would have if that's all that that employer could afford go out and buy something with the 6 euro and dickey it up a bit and make it look like a present but don't hand a staff member 6 euro and say by the way you have to spend it here in the shop that really is absolutely incredibly insulting and I can understand why an employee would feel insulted by that. Now we are going to be talking about Kilcully Cemetery in a moment but a listener says I parked at St Finbar Cemetery in Cork last night half past six the gates were open and people were going in there there was pitch dark what is that all about? Well can I say that yesterday when I was talking with Paddy O'Brien who was talking about Kilcully Cemetery and the fact that his wife is buried there. And he was saying, when I was saying, what are the possible solutions to stop this vandalism going on? And he said, lock up the cemetery, lock it up early and don't allow anybody in from when it gets dark. We had a couple of people contact us who were very annoyed by Paddy's comments. One couple in particular who buried their son and they their son only in his 20s. They go to the cemetery every single night to say goodnight to their boy who was in the cemetery and they said they would be most upset and put out if the cemetery where their son is buried was locked at night. So there are people that go to the cemetery late at night. I accept when it's pitch dark it's not there. Is it a spooky place? I, I've never been into a cemetery in the dark. I, you know, I probably would find it a bit spooky but that's just a personal thing for me. But for others who take great comfort from visiting graveyards, they don't care if it's in the middle of a bright summer's day or if it's in the dead of the night. They want to go and be with their loved one and that's where they feel their loved one that's where they feel closest I'm assuming to their loved one so they will go at night but yeah I can understand where you're coming from when you say you can't understand why people do it but I also can understand it from the people who do take great great comfort from visiting their loved ones and by going into the cemeteries even if it is uh, very late at night uh, 1850 333 we were talking about scams earlier on remember that and somebody had sent us on a list of scams that seem to be doing the rounds today Margaret and. Mill Street said if you're looking for the scams for today you can add Banking365 another texting scam during the rounds at the moment please be very very careful now I'm looking for your texts and WhatsApps because all this week we've teamed up with the Park Avon Hotel Muckras Road in Killarney that was formerly the Holiday Inn and they have given us daily prizes of two nights accommodation to give away today's prizes two nights B&B in a classic double room for two people with complimentary leisure facilities that includes a heated indoor swimming pool there's a sauna there's a steam room and there is a fitness room and of course the wonderful Park Avon Hotel on the Muckross Road is in walking distance of the town centre with all of the lively bars that you expect to find in Killarney and all of the attractions we have a well known Kerry person for you who's this?
1: So this is just something I wanted to do to give something back at home and to try and raise the standards, the level of facilities, the resources so that you can raise the level of preparation for club players.
4: Okay, who is that? What well-known Kerry person is that? Text or WhatsApp your answer, along with your name and address, to 0862 103 103. And we will receive entries for 10 minutes and then we will select today's winner who will be heading off to the Park Avon Hotel on the Muckras Road in Killarney for a two-night stay for two people. So
1: this is just something I wanted to do to give something back at home and to try and raise the standards, the level of facilities, the resources so that you can raise the level of preparation for club players.
4: OK, get texting on that. And actually just for fear that I I miss these texts, there's a number of texts in St. Patricia, you mentioned a product that removes milled Mold and Mildew what was it we're back again to everywhere for Christmas the product that we spoke about before Christmas that I swear by and so do a lot of the listeners here it's called Detol, Mold and Mildew and it's in a green bottle and it's available in all of the supermarkets well it's available in Duns and Tesco and in Super Value for sure don't think it's available in the German retailers but certainly all of the other supermarkets it's available Dettol Dettol mould and mildew remover and as Sheila one of our listeners this morning said it works like magic.
9: The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council.
1: Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie.
4: Don so Manway Further Education and Training Centre. They are holding an open day today. It's on now until 2 o'clock this afternoon. And again tonight between 7 and 8pm. Test Cantor Bingo will resume with the Edelkwin Hall tomorrow night, uh, Wednesday at half past eight the usual bus routes will apply as a five euro charge per person using the bus transport and the jackpot will stand at 3,200 euro Operation Transformation Bohobri they're starting tomorrow Wednesday and every Wednesday night for seven weeks in the Pierce Memorial Hall registration and weigh-in is tomorrow night at seven walk starts at eight on the footpaths around Bohabui, and the fee for operation transformation in Bohabui is just €30. Euro. There will be a one day safe talk in Bantry in the Drum Resource Centre. It's on Friday morning from 10am to 1pm. Admission is free, but you do need to register at 028 40402. And a meeting will be held in Drum Tariff Parish Hall. On this day week with a view to setting up a committee to organise the centenary commemoration of the Clonbannon ambush which took place on the 5th of March, 1921. All are very welcome.
9: Cork Today on C103.
1: With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel & Go, Shortcastle Street, Mallow, smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie
9: This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Now,
4: yesterday we heard about smashed headstones and statues knocked over in St. Catherine's Cemetery in Kilcolly that has led to a Garda investigation. A public meeting to see what can be done about this reckless act of vandalism will be held next Saturday at the Commons Inn. And joining me with his reaction is local Fianna Fáil councillor, uh, Ken O'Flynn. Good afternoon to you, Ken.
3: Good afternoon, Patricia, and, and a Happy New Year. Um,
4: many happy returns. Did you go to the cemetery yourself to take a look at the carnage?
3: I'll tell you, know I've, I've been up there. Um, I was up there this morning as well, actually, because I have family buried there. Um, we have friends buried there. We have we have um, supporters whose loved ones are pa- have passed away and are, are buried there as well. You know, uh, and yeah, I did see the carnage, and, and that's the correct word to use, it was absolute carnage. It was an absolute disgrace what went on there. Now there's several rumours uh, in, in, in the media at the moment, as I understand it speaking to Gardaí, it isn't anything to do with family feuds or anything like that. It's just to do with the it's a fact that it was—it was just pure, and utter vandalism. And, you, know, you know, and, I, as, and as well, I—I I, 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 you
4: know? also think it doesn't help to speculate because uh, I, yeah. I did hear rumours, what people saying oh, it was a family feud and all that. That doesn't help, and that just completely distracts. Yeah,
3: it does, and, and you know, the reality is that there's a lot of people out there, and I spoke to people this morning and last night on the phone, late last night actually on the phone, that are just upset about it, and that are perturbed about it, and that it's not the first time that things like this have happened, you know, with either reeds being stolen off graves, um, statues being broken, um, eternal lights being broken or moved and things like that. And that's very, very upsetting. I spoke to a couple today um, who have a child buried in a different graveyard and they were telling me their experience of antisocial behaviour and vandalism, and cans and and, uh, and beer cans being left on the the grave, etc., you know. Uh, And that's extremely upsetting not only to hear, but imagine being that parent and visiting a grave like that Uh, and you know it's your last place to pay respects and talk to your loved ones or your last kind of area that you go and you feel close to your loved ones and then you're you're left with this it's devastating for a lot of people i would say to you patricia there is going to be a meeting that's been organized by uh, not by myself but, but it's been organized by the um People who have loved ones in the graveyard, yeah. and the you know that public meeting is open to the public. It's at two o'clock, I believe. There is a GoFundMe page being set up. I've committed five hundred euros uh, of, well my, of my own funds um, to help those that are that are struggling to um, either fix or repair or replace the headstones that they have at the, at, at the moment. And that's well, I, the,
4: I, well, the, I, I that's you that's know I problem. heard I heard somebody say yesterday that one family. haven't even paid back the credit union. They're still paying off the credit union for the headstone and it's been smashed.
3: Yeah, and that's the case as well as you know we, we lost a bereavement grant a number of years ago uh, and there's very little help from social welfare or anything like that when, when a loved one passes away um, and that is the reality I've spoken to a number of people that you know a headstone is, is in a very I didn't realise the expense that people go to or, or how much it costs thank God I've never had to buy one um, but there, it's an expensive part of the funeral and it, it's something that is meant to be there for life um, it, it's it's not meant to be tampered with a, a you know, but it's, it refreshes all the old wounds. It's it's very hurtful for people, but there are, there's a number of people there that are struggling, that find the day-to-day running of their lives expensive, and then at this added expense expense, it's mindless. I do question, that. I have spoken to a, a barrister, actually, about it last night, um, is there a duty of care from Cork City Council? I believe that there is. I believe that there should be a special fund set up from City Council. I'm hoping that the manager will come up with something like that because it's quite obvious that we've been lacking um, as a council when it comes to securing and ensuring that, that these graves and these are marked with respect and kept and um, kept from antisocial behaviour. I don't know what the correct words or terms of this are, you know, because me Patricia it's it's bizarre it's wild it's 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 something that you you see in a film It's not something that's reality it's it's very very shocking to say the least but now
4: I I I read I read reading the papers today around the clock security presence now has been introduced at the cemetery
6: Yeah,
3: um, but you know there is a duty of care. We are the we are the council that operates and looks after and maintain, and maintains graveyards. Um, this is not an isolated incident, as I've been reported and I've reported it to those in in positions of responsibility in city council. We've had a problem with cars being broken into in the past outside various graveyards in the city and the county. We've had problems with. um Groups of people drinking in graveyards or going there late at night and using it as a as, 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 a, as a meeting area to drink to drink publicly—that's not acceptable. That's not what graveyards are. for. graveyards are for respecting um, and visiting your loved ones. Uh, and we have to get this right. And I think we have been very derelict in the duty uh, to those that are buried there and the families of those that are, um, have loved ones there. Okay,
4: Mary in Kilbrin says uh, they shouldn't, this is about locking up the graveyards at at night and actually when this got mentioned yesterday with uh, Paddy O'Brien, the campaigner for older people, he had suggested that we need to lock up the graveyards at night and actually it upsets some people who like to go to the graveyard at night. Uh, Mary in Kilbrin says they shouldn't close the the gates at night. Some people say to me, this is Mary, why would you go to a graveyard in the dead of night? And I say why not? You have much more to fear from the living than you do from the dead. The dead has never done any harm to it anyone. I go to a when, graveyard when. at different times says Mary to visit my son. I talk to him as if he's standing next to me and there's no reason that people should not be allowed to visit their loved ones at night time.
6: Yeah
3: I, and I have come across that myself in the past as well and there, has, there, there there's all those things to, to take into consideration. Uh, and, you know, Mary is right, you know, it's it's, it's the living that hurts, it's not the dead. Mm. Uh, and that's proof, that's proof of that now today, you know, or in the last couple of days. But I think, Patricia, in fairness, I think we're going to have to find a time that we can close it up and that we can say that this is open from this time to that time in the need for that type of, that type of security. Having said that, I think a CCTV similar to what we've introduced in Chandon and other areas, where the announcement comes out, you know, you have a you have a security guard watching it from from a base, and you know, it's very easy to walk out if somebody is visiting a grave. Uh, talking to their their, their loved yeah, one, yeah, or if it's somebody there for somebody that's there for for the long reason,
6: yeah, yeah.
4: Okay, <laughs> uh, so this meeting is going ahead. On two o'clock. Two, two o'clock, o'clock, o'clock. Commons in on 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 Saturday afternoon, and and hopefully families uh, who need a bit of a dig out financially to get their
8: I headstone either they're
4: fixed they're, or in some cases yeah. they're 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 smashed beyond be repair. I'm told Ken. They, they
3: are. They are. They're, they're, <gasps> there's shocking. one or two pieces there that are.
4: In smithereens,
3: that's oh, that's
4: All right, listen. We appreciate uh, that, Ken. Thank you for that. No problem. And not, uh, not. thanks uh, <laughs> for joining us. And I want to go to Margaret, who is uh, holding in Donegal. Thanks for holding, Margaret. Okay. Uh, Margaret, you have uh, you have a loved one buried in Kilkelly? I have my
14: partner is buried in Kilkelly, Patricia, um, <clears throat> since two thousand and nine. And I tell you, when I heard this um, the other day, like my stomach, like it just turned over because I'm I'm living in Donwell now, so it's a long way away. But <clears throat> two friends of mine went over when I was trying to explain to them where it was. We were FaceTiming to see where the grave was, and it's okay. It's The it's, headstone it's is fine. But what I, I find about, like, all the talk about the last couple of days is, like, it is a council graveyard, and it's well, well looked after. I mean, I have to compliment the, the, the council on the way they keep the grave. You know, the graveyard. I mean the grass is cut, the flowers, the bedding over there, they like there's barrels outside for waste if you want to bring out if you're bringing out something you don't have to bring it home. There's barrels there for recycling, you know, out, well outside the graveyard. And like I don't see why like the you know people are blaming the guards, people are blaming the 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 council. The only people to blame are the people that went in and smashed those headstones. Yeah. They're the only people to blame. There is nobody else to blame. You know, and locking a graveyard. Uh, it was the first time I ever went into a graveyard in two thousand nine, um, and I did go at night, it, like not night night, but like um, say seven or eight o'clock. And if you if you walk down Kilcully, down the paths in Kilcully, and you look either side, people have light, eternal lights. And they're absolutely beautiful. And these it, are
0: solar
4: powered, so they. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. it's
14: so peaceful, and it's so quiet, and it's. It is. That was the first time ever I'd seen lights in graveyard. You know, you like i i a, a lot of lights, you know, like like private lights uh, at. At the headstones themselves, and they were absolutely beautiful. And if you go to like if you go to a dawn mass. Uh, at a graveyard, like the birds will will the birds will absolutely you know, overpowered the priest.
4: Yeah, with the dawn chorus. With the dawn
14: chorus. Yeah. And if you go to, like, say, Blessing of the Graves, I've been to a Blessing of the Graves over in Kilcully and people stand at their own graves and they respect... Like, if I was passing a grave and I saw um, a flower pass on its side, I'd pick it up and I'd straighten it.
4: So would I. So would I. I yeah. wouldn't be... Yeah.
14: Would have, And I would, I would do it out of respect and I wouldn't know the person and I wouldn't think, oh, you, you think somebody come over and look after that. I would do it out of pure respect because I'd like somebody to do it, if, if it was mine, if I wasn't being able yeah, to do it. Yeah, you would like there. to think
4: that if somebody passed your loved yeah. one's grave so that they, I wouldn't they would do it.
14: Blame, I'm not, I don't blame nobody, only the people that went in. And those people that went in have parents, they have grandparents and they have great-grandparents. And would they like it that done to their, to their loved one's grave? You know, would, would they do that?
4: Okay, so I can see so so many people are so angry I think about this somebody said hi Patricia those dopes who broke and damaged the headstones are the lowest of the low I'd have no problem using whatever tool they use to damage the headstones on them what clowns says a texter and someone else says Susan says I wonder do these vandals realise or ever care about the distress that they have caused to so many families says Susan and that was the one thing that came across very strong yesterday Mm -hmm. when I was speaking with Paddy O Brian and like Paddy bless his heart because he, like, he's an advocate for older people and he's yes. an older man himself but he, yes. I don't think he ever sees himself as an older man but to hear him talk about the upset of older people and you could hear it in his own voice because yes. his well, wife Pat is buried yes. there
14: and and the thing is when you go over there when you go over to Kilcully it doesn't matter how many times I go over in the year I don't go as often now obviously as I as I used to but I, I, I do take like say five or six trips a year uh, to make sure that, that everything was okay, and you—you you were never on your own inside of that grave. There's always people coming in. There was always people tending graves. There's always people looking after their graves, and like to think that someone would think it was—it was the right thing to do to go in, and smash. And they're the only people to blame. I don't like. I don't believe that that there should be the gate should be locked. There's walls around there. You can go over the walls. I don't think the dead should be in. It should be a prison for the dead. You know, it should not be a prison
6: yeah.
14: for people who are lying. Uh, you know, the last resting place yeah. in, in Kilkenny. It should not be a prison for them. It should. It, it, the, the prison should be for the people that went in and decided that they were going to upset as many people as they possibly could. And they didn't just upset the families of the people of the. They upset everybody that's buried in Kilkenny. Everybody. Because
6: everybody yeah. feels that
4: pain. Yeah, Sheila says, uh, it's, uh, it is actually lovely to go to a cemetery at night with the candles lighting. Mm-hmm. It's such a peaceful place. And as, you know, as somebody earlier, I know I read out the, the call that came in when Councillor Ken O'Flynn was on, uh, somebody making the point, you know, you've more to fear from the living than you do from the dead.
14: You've nothing to, if you walk in over, and I have done it like I've done it at dusk and I've walked down, and it is absolutely, like the paths are, are is so well laid out. And the reason that that uh, Tony is over there is that, that he like he he was English, and he was living in Cork, and he we'd gone to funerals over there, and he always talked about how peaceful it was and how nicely kept it was in Ireland. Yeah. And then, well, when he died, I I said, well, there you go. Now you're, I'm kind of you know I'm thinking. <laughs> You know, it's not his fault. It's not anybody's fault, I know. and it's I know. not it's not the council's fault, and it definitely isn't the guard's fault. It is only the people that went in and did that, and they have upset so many people. And the anger now is is being directed, I think, at the wrong people.
6: Yeah, yeah.
14: Um, it's been I know. Yeah, I
4: heard a lot of anger directed at at the Guard, and I felt, yes. you know, what you know, we can't have. Gardee 24 7 outside mm. of a cemetery. We can't. It shouldn't just, have to, and it. even to hear that the City Council have been forced to put round the clock security presence. Yes. God knows the City Council could be spending their money in other ways than having to put security on a have cemetery. It be
14: that you go to, like anyone, you leave a graveyard and it should, there is nothing, absolutely nothing in there for anybody except the loved ones to go and visit. Yeah. Nothing. There is no reason for anyone else to be in there. There is no reason for, I mean, if they're having drinking parties, there is no need to be inside in the graveyard.
4: Why would you have a Why drinking ha- party exactly. inside in the cemetery? Exactly, because a, a, a different Sheila says, I suggest if these thugs are caught for vandalising, they should be made pay whatever way possible. Money from their pockets is is the only and the true punishment for it. Be it deductions from their welfare or their employment. They would feel that pinch," says Sheila, "because a number of people are saying that even if somebody is caught for this, and you know, because I'm assuming it's more than one, mm-hmm. one person, if they go to court, well, they get a slap in the it's back. A of revolving the revolving doors, yeah, The
14: guards, yeah. the guard, like, how frustrated would you yeah. be, like to to have all this anger um, directed at, like, say, at the guards and the uh, like, security outside, security for what? Like, there is nobody leaving to Cully graveyard." There was nobody in there leaving. Yeah, there was yeah. nobody wanting to go in there. I
4: know, I you know, know.
14: like there was nobody lining up outside to to get in. To get in, there was yeah. nobody lining up inside to get out. All
4: right, know? but so the good, but the good news from your point of view, Margaret, is your partner's graveyard was okay.
14: It's okay. I just feel that I, I mean, when the when the when the girls took the the uh, when they showed the the, the um, picture, uh, I mean, I was I was here in my own kitchen and I was just treading. Where it was. and I, I know one of the graves behind one of the, 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 statues, the, the, it was, um, the head was was taken off it. It is just, it, I don't know, there is no words for it. But I, I, I do think that the anger is being directed in the wrong place. Yeah, it should be you directed
4: at, at whoever caused. Yes, it.
14: and I should be concentrating oh. on that and find those, and. Whatever, I don't know what the answer is. I think, as a society, as a society, Patricia, I think we're we are losing an awful lot because we uh, we were always. I mean, you never went into a graveyard unless unless you were so respectful of people that were in there. You wouldn't walk on a grave. You wouldn't. You know, you you just we we are losing so much like we have lost so yeah, much Yeah, still,
4: I still have that and and I'm, I'm assuming others do as well yes. if you're getting from one grave to another grave and they're all kind of on top of each other now yes. we were always taught as children and, and my dad died when we were all very young so there was like mm. five of us under seven and um, mother would you know Sundays were spent down at the graveyard at dad's grave and we were always from a very young age you never walked you
2: never walked on somebody else's grave no. you might walk
4: To get no. to the grave, but yeah. you never walked
6: on no. the grave. And
14: and and if you did step, you 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 would be you would be blessing yourself and say yeah, sorry. Yeah, absolutely,
4: you know? absolutely. And Stay there because Tom really, is this yeah. uh, is this on one. Let me just go to Tom and Bantry wants to get in on this discussion. Uh, good afternoon to you, Tom.
15: Good afternoon, Patricia. Happy New Year to uh,
4: you, many happy returns. You're saying yeah. if anyone is caught, what should be done?
15: Well, first of all, I think that if they have a GoFundMe page. Uh, that they should put in money uh, there for a reward, because a reward can turn up a lot of, a lot of stuff, like you know, and and u- usually does. People will squeal, like you know, uh, and we might get some of these these people that done this uh, horrific damage, like you know, it's it, it, it's it's an awful thing that is, that's happening in our society. No, that nowadays, like, and the other thing is, I saw it in the states myself. Anybody do stuff like that. They're put out on the road, cleaning along the side of the road, and they're supervised by an armed gang. Like, a, know,
4: like, and, a, like a chain gang.
15: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right, yeah. 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 yeah there's no good in putting them into prison, fattening them up. I know a fellow who came out of prison there recently, and he'd be mad to go in there again because he said, it's great, there's a menu there, I'm inside. He said, I'm making holidays. the first time I ever had anything to do with the G. You know, and he said he wouldn't mind going back there again. Oh my he god, it t- is a lovely place. to oh be. Oh my
4: um, god, who would want to yeah, go back there's to jail? All
15: Jeff? sorts of f- facilities there, uh, gyms and all sorts of things. But and you're going back to the g- graveyards. I'd just like to say one thing about a, head, uh, a tomb that's here in Bantry Graveyard. Yeah, and it's Donald Donald Combe O'Sullivan at Master Lethrum. His wife is buried there, and the tomb is nearly falling down. And that would be a great interest to t- uh, tourists. And and I've mentioned it to a few people, but nothing has happened.
4: And it's a very old, it's old grave.
15: It's, uh, yeah, It's sixteen something. Oh, it's it,
4: it's a tomb and over. They you know, need to do something, then, because they lose it completely if 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 they it's don't do
15: something. Over, it's up overgrown, and some of the stones have fallen off. Uh. It and I put them up, put them up there myself, and you know, in case anybody would take the stones away. But it's it's a it's a very important like yeah, you know. All right, of okay. All right, thanks, listen, John. Thanks for, day,
6: for uh,
4: that. And have a good day uh, as well. Okay, uh, Margaret. Listen, thank you for that. We appreciate your contribution no uh, today, and I'm glad to see that your, your grave yeah, uh, is you. okay. But it's it's lovely the way you're thinking of all the others and the obsession. Yeah. Would you would 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 you go to that meeting? Do you
14: think on? No, no I don't going to no. because I'm. I, see, I don't drive and I'd be depending on... on, on uh, Someone else to you drive know, you know, I up there, okay. Be, I would be interested in, in, uh, in what... I mean, I will keep... Uh, a close you know, eye on what comes out I would be taking a visit there myself okay. uh, All right. next week. All, All right. right, Margaret. Okay, All God right. bless. Right, bye-bye. Thanks
4: a million. Bye. Bye-bye. And Finbar makes an interesting point. Finbar says, if one of those vandals got in, injured during the course of smashing up the headstones, with the claims culture that we live in would he or she have put a claim in against the City Council for having been injured while smashing up one of the headstones. 1850 333
9: 103 Court today on C103
1: With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Short Castle Street Mallow Open seven days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and gas lowcostfuel.ie Music Egg File Mach, Quidden and Nihe is Farlin. Shot 8 C103 Air Kirkig
0: is museum alien in the caragh and Crawford Art Gallery of gorkig Murrihool and two sheep in the find two tishkin tyaht. Erin rolls some thesach at agus na hark alien a setail agus sa chultúr co imshirhe. Tha gnos cuin rohchid mille cultúr naide bliana chuging gallery ahasa te agri larn na caragh in a collision opera house. Seir the trish trus to spantish agus balu chan buan Donis mo na roh vil a seir.
1: Núcta cuide den is fari Gortcake C one o three.
9: Gort today on C. 103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103,
4: 103 And very quickly, our winner for the Park Avon Hotel. Two nights b in a classic double room for two people. Complementary leisure facilities includes the heated swimming pool, the sauna, the steam room and the fitness room. Today is going to Chris O'Driscoll in Butlerstown who correctly identified that it was Paul Galvin a lot of people got it wrong it was Paul Galvin was our famous Kerryman today we'll do it all over again tomorrow thanks to the Park Avon Hotel which is on the Muckross Road in Killarney formerly the Holiday Inn Explorer relax and enjoy see Park Avon. Dot com. And that's where I leave you for today. Thank you to everybody who made contact with the programme today. We were very busy on the phone lines and by uh, text and WhatsApp where well, we really appreciate it. That's where I leave you though for today. Mark Malone is in for Nick Richards. We're back with you tomorrow at 10.
9: Court today on C103. With a solid
1: fuel depot at Drew's Fuel & Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Low-costfuel.ie.